Live from Hawkins, Indiana, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Welcome to episode 122 of Derailed Trains of Thoughts. My name is Timothy Deal. My name is Nick Hayden. And this is your premier podcast for all things storytelling. For the consumer and creator. And we're coming to you from, well, Indiana. I know, Tim. Like, this looks literally like downtown Kenneville. Yeah, although, did we go back in time again? I know, it's a little, yeah, it's a little old school. And uh, like I mean, the hardware I, store, like, there, there's a Radio Shack over there, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, man, I haven't been in a Radio Shack for a while. I think we're going to have to explore. Might have to find some, like, jeans. I'm still in, like, my shorts from, and these khaki shorts are not, I feel a little out of place. Yeah, they're a little out of date. Yeah, or ahead of date. Ahead of date. Ahead of, like, exactly. my, they're they're too long. I I, I need much shorter and, shorts to fit and, in Well, here. and I, I, I need my rayon. Well, this, they're not, that's, it looks maybe a little or too early for that. That could be, yeah, it could be. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out where we are in the, in the time stream at some point. But there's a lot of kids running around on bikes unsupervised. Uh, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Maybe I, we can get a bike. Oh, Go biking. Good, probably a good idea. Although, I don't know. I, I There seems to be a lot of hubbub around here these days. According to the newspaper, some oh. kids gone missing and oh. all weird things, rumors in the forest. I guess we, I guess we can't go somewhere normal completely. So. Well, not completely, yeah. That would not be what the way the podcast works, no. I'm afraid. Anyway, it is uh, September time, which means that this episode commemorates our 11th anniversary. Dun, dun, dun. Our 11th. No. Not our 11th, but. That's <laughs> 11 years of podcasting. We're, very, we're, we're, we're almost a teenager. <laughs> yes. I, I was going to say we're over the hill, but it's like, well, you and I maybe. I'm not sure the podcast The podcast is. isn't there yet. We no. got a little bit left. Yeah, yeah. So in. in 29 years, he'll be over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 1,752. Whoa. Well, I might have to change your numbering system. Right now, that only goes up to like in the hundreds. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for uh, listening, joining us, folks. Uh, hopefully, you will enjoy our story-based conversations. And speaking of which, let's jump right into that with Story School. For Story School today, I guess it's almost a previously on, way back in episode 28, we talked about having God in your stories. This episode, we thought we'd talk about stories without God. And we don't mean atheist stories. Necessarily. Not necessarily. No. no. This topic was inspired by an article um, from Sean McDowell, who's a Christian apologist, and for some reason I saw this article about Stranger Things. Before we launch into oh, yeah, that, sorry. let's do a couple quick pointers oh, here. Oh, yes, thank you. For in case we have new listeners, uh, we do want to be upfront that uh, Nick and I do come from a Christian perspective on these things. We don't market our podcast as a Christian podcast per se, but that is the perspective we come from, and so it is going to affect how we talk about a subject such yeah. as God not being in stories. And the other thing I kind of want to point out, and we'll get, we'll dive more into this and explain what we mean here in a minute. But this is not meant to be a bashing on secular Hollywood. It's like all oh, those darn liberals. Why don't they get understand and put God in their stories? That's not what this is about. But obviously, we think God is someone who's pretty important in our everyday lives, and 
And it's interesting to think about, well, what other dimensions could, can a story have if people would acknowledge this? Yeah, it's more of an observation of our current story culture. And then just what well, maybe we're missing some of the depth that maybe is not existing because of that. Yeah. And so if you're not coming at this topic from a Christian perspective, this is kind of just our exploration of, well, what, what might you be missing or what might stories and culture in general be missing? What if? No. Um, <laughs> so anyway, go back to the article that yeah. inspired all this. So this, this was inspired by an article by Sean McDowell, who is a Christian apologist, but he was writing about Stranger Things, I think probably back in season two or something like that. I mean, three. I was just, was I three? looked at it the okay. other day, so earlier today. Okay. But you made the note that it seems like a show that's supernatural. But you have the upside down and crazy monsters. But if you watch it carefully, whenever there's a problem, who they go ask for a solution is their science teacher. That everything is boiled down to, fancy word for it, is naturalism. That the only thing that exists are things that can be measured and scientifically explained. I mean, I guess the other source material they go to is their Dungeons and Dragons books. But yeah, it doesn't really delve into like from a spiritual perspective. It's just more like, yeah, these are things that exist. These mind slayers or this idea of an altered dimension. Yeah. I mean, it's altered dimension. It's kind of like what we talked about last episode exactly. with like multiple universes. It's and just there. It's just there. It's, it's part of the reality we haven't explored yet, but it's not, but still scientific. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like if it was a more of a supernatural worldview, you might go to the pastor or priest and say, hey, what should we do about this Gorgon guy? But that's not even on the radar in the story. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad if they do that. It just was an observation that there's a lot of stories that kind of built into the cake is this idea that the supernatural doesn't exist and we don't need to talk about it. And so that's kind of where we're going with, Tim, can I throw in my $20 philosophy word here? Please do. Okay, so I've been reading this. Well, I finished finally. This book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. But he talks about the social imaginary, which is a fancy term to say things that we have absorbed in the culture and just believe without thinking about. The social imaginary. This, yeah, it's, it sounds like it's backward, but that's how it's always said. <laughs> it's kind of similar to like the social consciousness. Yes. Which, I mean, I guess is kind of what culture people, is, yeah. people also use the word culture to the shared understanding. And I think it's just, I guess, a nice fancy 15, uh, 25 cent word to say things that we all believe without knowing we believe, that we haven't realized that, oh, this wasn't always this way. And I think part of it is that many stories, we don't even ask, oh, is there a supernatural explanation in a story? You watch a superhero movie, there's always just some natural, you go do Bruce Banner or Tony Stark, maybe Doctor Strange if it's a little weirder, but he's still kind of a science magician. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, that's a fair point. Like he's like, these are the forces at play here that's just kind of under the current of everything and... Science magician. Yeah, that's accurate. So, and I think we don't bat an eye about it. It doesn't necessarily make a story better or worse, but it does show you that there's this element that many people throughout history would not have, they would have expected some sort of a supernatural element in a story. Greeks had all their gods, you know, Middle Ages stuff, everything centered around the church. I mean, every village was built around the church, but that's absent from modern stories. And it's just a change. But what does that mean for our stories? First off, just realize it's a thing. And then, like you said, what are we missing? Mm -hmm. Well, what, what do you, sorry, I'm still kind of thinking about Doctor Strange. Like, do you think Scarlet Witch is also a scientific magician? See, see this, that's where I think it's interesting. It's, and we're a little off track, but as I'm watching more and more of the, the Marvel stuff right now, uh -huh. it feels like they're moving into this mystical area yeah. between multiverses and Scarlet Witch 
and some of the other stuff. And I think it's very interesting because the phase up through Endgame was very scientific. Yeah, the early MCU, they really tried to avoid that as much as possible. Even like Thor's people, they're like, we're not gods. We're not yeah. really gods. We just have higher technology yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. And so they were pushing that. I get the sense, and I and Star Wars has been moving this way and all their stuff too, that they're slowly trying to add elements of mysticalness, but they don't won't go as far as having like a personal moral lawgiver. Mm-hmm. So it's like... It's like a halfway point. Like, we're not having God, but we do think that there are worth talking about things that we can't explain. And I think it's interesting. I was thinking on the way here, who was it? Arthur C. Clarke that said, you know, any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the the realm of it in some ways. Like, it's not quite religious, but it's wave hand ma- it, magic, science, it's all kind of the same. We'll just... Do well, it. I That's guess, where my feeling, and I could think, who knows what they'll do. Well, I mean, uh, that does seem one interesting thing about speculative fiction world building in general. Because it is a fictional world, there seems to be a natural tendency to want to be able to explain it, to mm-hmm. explore all aspects of it. There's very few shows that are satisfied with the ambiguity of not explaining all the details mm-hmm. of how their world works. I think Avatar The Last Airbender, there's some of that. I mean, the spirits are kind of this whole other thing that's kind of outside of humans' control. The Legend of Korra series tried to explore it a little bit, but it's still kind of like bigger than what the humans can deal with. Babylon 5 does this to to a degree. I find it interesting, and I was thinking through this, and we're kind of off track now, but a lot of things we've hijacked, like Babylon 5, Lost, the shows that you and I really enjoy, seem to be shows that also say... There is something more than we can quite explain. Yeah. Which I'm not sure a lot of shows do now. I'm sure there are some. I'm not up to date on everything. But it's just an interesting, it's distinct when you start thinking about versus shows that you'll watch, for instance, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. We both watch. Every once in a while, though, like Mac will talk about his religious background or whatever. But generally, the answer to anything is... What's cool technology can Fitz and Simmons come up with? <laughs> right. Um, like, yeah, even when, because Mac was a character from the team that, I don't remember if he was Catholic or just Christian in general, but yeah, he talked about his faith occasionally, but it was almost like coloring, like a, mm-hmm. a, a flavor to spice up the dialogue, just kind of interesting thing, but never like a significant, we never really heard his thoughts about the theological implications of the crazy sci-fi stuff he was encountering. <laughs> And so you got speculative fiction, especially science fiction will go, they will sometimes delve into these religious, at, like, take it as an actual thing. X-Files, there were a couple episodes where, like, someone had a disease and, you know, Scully would pray because she, had, she was religious and someone else would do something else. And at the end, you didn't know what caused the healing. Was it the religious thing or the, mm. you know, the paranormal? Uh-huh. But that was a show that kind of opened the, when you're talking about paranormal, you're okay with things not being explained. Okay. So it was yeah. already... And I think people are gra- people like those sorts of things, but I'm not sure often we are comfortable advertising much that way. Yeah, I'm, or like like you said, if it's paranormal or if it's a super like mystical, based in some sort of other sort of world like Avatar, yeah. then it seems to be okay. But I guess kind of the baseline for a lot of mainstream Hollywood storytelling, mm-hmm. or if not Hollywood TV, movies, yeah. maybe even books, is more of the agnostic approach yes where they're not saying definitively that there is no god but we're not really going to bring him up at all it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't apply to the story i mean and i guess the 
it's almost like a compromise in some ways, but not attacking, but but not really directing. It's like it's like okay, this level playing ground so that people of any faith belief can enjoy our story for what it is. I mean, it was interesting when I when I wrote Strait and Fred book one, I just wrote a fun adventure story, and there was no religious element in it really. It just but by the time I got the book two, I'm like, for me, I needed it because any of the things I'm going to talk about from moving forward didn't make any sense outside of a religious context for me. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just interesting that you know my social imaginary was you're like, I don't need to build in a God to this story. I'm just going to tell a story. Uh-huh. And then I realized, oh, wait, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. A lot of world building, you know, the religion will be window dressing. It'll be, mm. we have all these, you know, we have Zeus, all these things. And so everyone follows someone and they show up sometimes, but they're basically just other characters. You know, they're just characters and it's like political alliances. Okay, sure. And it just, it just... I don't know. It's, just, it's an interesting thing. Well, I mean, that is interesting. You brought up Strid and Fred and how early stuff you weren't worried about that. It almost kind of makes me feel like maybe there's something about the level of complexity of your story world that determines how much you're going to talk about God and, and the deeper things. Yeah. Like when I was trying to come up with a soundtrack uh, for later in this episode, I was like, well, okay, but what video games really have to have God? Like, I'm not really worried about Mario's. <laughs> what is the Mario? theology of Mario? <laughs> what, what is his, what denomination does he go to? <laughs> is he baptized? <laughs> um, what is the theological implications of uh, of really fast hedgehog? Exactly. Mario and Luigi on Sunday nights talking <laughs> Arminian and Calvinism. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter because sometimes... Again, what I'm not saying is that we need God in every. Let me rephrase it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I, a tricky I don't, thing. I don't think that it needs to be a big deal in most stories. Or not most stories, but in, there's many stories. It doesn't matter. I think as a Christian, it will inform you. Yeah. And you have a birth thing. But you're right. The video games that have God in them tend to be like the Japanese one where, like, let's kill God or, like, let's overturn fate, you know, that sort of stuff. Your Xenoblades mm. and your Final Fantasies and your Xenogears. And even if it's not, like, capital G God, it's yeah. maybe, like, smaller deities like yeah. Bahamut and mm-hmm. Shiva and things like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it is a it is a funny perspective for a Christian to have. It's like, okay, God's not important in this, but, well, he is, but not in the same way. Yeah, because, because stories, stories are focused on a particular, especially short story, on a very particular thing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to talk about everything in a story. Yeah, that's true. But what's interesting, say, go, come back, like contemporary stories, like dramas and stuff, religion is an add-on in most cases. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because for many people, and well, not as much anymore because culture is changing, but for much of lot, for many people... Religion at least has some bearing on their life. Yeah. But it doesn't get reflected in the stories in the same way. Yeah. I guess to pull a common example that we've probably talked about before, in the Bible, the book of Esther doesn't mention God directly at all. But if you're paying close attention and you know the Jewish people, you know, it talks very much about like, you know, God is moving behind the scenes in a lot of this. So there's that like kind of subtle implication but yeah, so, sorry, I, I was like, I wanted to like insert, no, that's fine. make sure yeah. we, we touched on that. But but yeah, part of the problem is a lot of people just don't think about that. About, yeah. Think about the idea of there even being a higher authority. I've talked about Avatar Last Airbender a lot, partly because Janelle and I just finished going through it. It was her first time seeing it, and she mm-hmm. loved it. One thing that struck me this time, though, Zuko has a great redemptive arc. Yes. Um, 
his uncle shows him great forgiveness. I've called him a God figure before and because Uncle Iroh is. But one thing that struck me this time about his arc is that Iroh does talk a lot about Zuko finding his own path. He's he's not supposed to just do what his father says he should do. He should he should look and see what who he actually wants to be. Which was very interesting phrasing for, and eventually Zuko does tell his father, no, look, this was wrong, we're wrong. Does He does yeah. use that terminology. But Iroh's terminology is like, you found your own way. He doesn't refer to like a moral authority at all. Yeah. And like I said, there are spirits in the world of Avatar, but none of them are like, it's very much based on yin-yang philosophy. Mm-hmm. There's this light and a dark, and they're constantly in balance, and... There's not like the idea of like, no, there's a central authority that is dictating what is right and what is wrong. And that, from a Christian perspective, is a big omission. Yes. And I think, I think like you said, we're much more comfortable, just culture in general, social imaginary, and I'm used to it, in this sort of, that safe middle ground where there's, there's spiritual-ish things. And even that drives people nuts. Sometimes we just got done watching, it's not out yet, but we finished watching Lost, our watch through. And, you know, that struggle between science, there's an explanation, and spirit, no, you, you can't quite explain it. Some of the people watching got really mad when, well, you, you're not going to explain everything? Yeah, like, yeah. you're going to just wave your hands and say it's some supernatural thing? And they didn't like that, even though it was kind of, you know, magic, uh, super island magic was baked into the cake from Early episode on. three. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's, just, it's just an interesting thing. But, like, you go read, say, Robson Crusoe. You cannot have that story without this deep sense of belonging in a world that was made by God. I mean, you can do, you could write the same story, but it is completely different experience because everything Robinson Crusoe says is about redemption and providence and how God arranged things and stuff that I'd be surprised to ever read in a modern book. Uh-huh. Which is it's just an interesting change. So, what do you think? What's a story where you feel like? That they didn't really delve into, well, how would how would a character deal with the presence or absence of God? That it could have been a stronger thing if it if it was yeah. there. I always find it interesting, at least, and I don't know if this is a specific answer. Whenever you have a character who's gone through very deep emotional issues, okay, like to use a kind of a popcorn one, Iron Man three, okay, he's developing PSD or PTSD. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no spiritual component at all to trying to figure out what's the use of all, superhero, all superheroes have this, you know, it's outside of basically Captain America being like, we don't believe in that kind of God sort of thing. <laughs> they all functionally act the same, which is like, we will solve this thing mm-hmm. and it's on us. They're all Jack Shepherds, you're saying? They're all, they're all Jack Shepherds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I just think, I don't know if it'd make a better story, but it would be a, a different and interesting story to bring that into I always find it humorous. You know, people like live through, say, an episode 24, and mm-hmm. none of them ever like just panic and like pray for like five minutes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is something that's almost a little dangerous in some ways about all these, all the hero stories that are relying solely on their own hubris and abilities to get out of these because situations. Humanism is built in our social imaginary. See, I had to put that nice word in there. <laughs> Humanism and social imaginary. Yes, there we go. We're, we're deep philosophical, guys. <laughs> but that, you know, I mean, Doctor Who is... What's, what's interesting about Doctor Who is that they actually wrestled in some ways that problem sometimes. Like, uh-huh. he'd, he'd come to a creature that claimed to be this, claimed to be Satan. And what, was that episode of the Satan Pit? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about and that And he's one. like, wait a second, that can't exist. You know, they wrestle with that, wait, 
do things outside of science because Doctor Who's all about everything's answered. Every alien, every ghost is just some sort of weird science thing gone wrong. Uh-huh. Which is just the, just the nature of that story. But it's interesting. Every once in a while, they'll be like, but wait, is there something I don't understand? Well, like, what if, what if this is something beyond me? Yeah. And sometimes he wrestled with whether he wasn't a god. Yeah, based on all that he knew and the abilities he had available to him. Which, you know, you and I as Christians, we found those fascinating mm. because of that, that extra element of, like, what is the, do you have authority or not? Yeah. So I don't know if I know a specific one that would be interesting. We recently read uh, Tombs of Atuan, mm-hmm. which is uh, Ursula Gwen's second Earthsea book. You'll get a full review in January. <laughs> but it was interesting because it takes place in this kind of dark god cult, death cult sort of thing. Except as you're reading it as a modern reader, and, and Ursula Gwen knows this, you're wondering, are all the gods she's worshiping actually real, or is this all just fake ritual that's been going on for... Hundreds years of years, years that we just do yeah. out of habit. And you really, in the middle of the book, start wondering, I think this is all fake. I think this is all... And then the other guy, Ged from... Or Sparrowhawk from the first book shows up. And he's like, no, these guys are real. Like, there are real nameless gods out there. But you don't want to... But you don't want to mess with them. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was super smart of her. You know she's writing to people who are basically... Who probably expect the everything's just secular. You know, it, it's interesting to me whenever you encounter a story that has like a cult or a false religion or something. I think secular people look at that and like saying, yeah, this is the problem with organized religion yeah. in general. Christians look at that and be like, yeah, that's the problem with false religions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like from our perspective, like there is a true religion, but everyone else is kind of faking it in some place. And in some cases, Christians say... But there are spiritual forces there. Oh, sure. You know, just yeah. not, not the right ones. Not the right ones. Not yeah. ones you should be following. So the, it's a, it's an interesting conundrum there. You know, it's... Yeah, I'm I, I'm not coming up with examples where, like, a because, an obvious thing where I'd like to see it, but it does seem like there are certain stories, and I think Stranger Things is one of these sometimes. Any Almost any horror story, there's many of them where I've seen a God-shaped hole mm-hmm. in it. In the idea that, like... There are forces of darkness in this world and despair, and the characters may be good and have hope, but like, man, they're just barely making it on their own. And there's just kind of a, only a spark of light. Like, mm-hmm. man, it would be great if if there was a, such a thing as a god that yeah. could <laughs> imagine, yeah, yeah, that could. I mean, we, I think we talked about Ava as a good example of this. Uh, Ava is my a, perfect example, world without God. That to me, the, the truest thing it says is how the world is if there is no God. Mm hmm. Which I guess is why I think it's, I mean, it's artistically good, but <laughs> you're reading, possibly reading something into it that the original creator had, yeah. but he's reflecting enough of actual human experience. He's reflecting the despair that comes when there, there isn't this answer. And we're like, yes, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've noticed that in other stories, like even something as simple as a webcomic, like um, Order of the Stick. Okay. I think I've said before that like, there's all these deities in there, but even the good ones are not really that good. And they've mm-hmm. they've got their hands tied and like their dealings with the evil deities. And it's, it's just like, uh, that would be, that is not a world I would want to live in. Well, I'm give props to um, Broadchurch. Is that the BBC version? Yeah, yes. Which was really good. I mean, it's rough, but it's really good. But there's a pastor character in it, played by Rory from Doctor Who. 
and he legitimately wrestles with like what how do you forgive people and and I don't know that always he's quite the most orthodox Christian but he's I think a very honest portrayal of someone trying to wrestle with these things from a God-centered perspective and it was it was interesting because it's it's a story that has a lot to do with crime and and then how do you deal with the fallout of this horrible thing that happened which it would have been a much less show if they hadn't had that aspect. Mm. That is part of how people deal with those things. And the show does a lot of different angles, and you can say what you you know who you agree with and stuff. Uh-huh. Is that sort of show? But. Sure. Well, we've come at this from a lot of different angles, Nick. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess our consensus is that having characters that deal honestly don't just ignore the presence of people's belief in God. How about this, Tim? I think what we could say is that while we're telling many good stories right now, we're leaving on the table lots of stories that aren't being told Mm. that would resonate with many humans because most people believe in something. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes a shame that we don't, for whatever reason, more forthrightly portray those experiences too because people... They wrestle with belief and doubt and forgiveness and redemption in other ways than simply, you know, a therapeutic way. Yeah. We've talked about message, messages and, and worldview and stories many a time. Yes. And often how, like, sometimes people's inclination is to just be as, I don't want to say shallow, but like on one level as possible so that you can have the mass market appeal to yeah. your story. And You're not offending a- anyone. I'm, my guess, if you pick more of the niche sort of stuff, you'd see more of these wrestlings That's than, the, than the popular culture, especially in the books. Mm-hmm. But even in some of the probably the niche limited series and stuff. Well, yeah, there was that book that we read the for the book club. I think it was book club. Wasn't it the um, book of Strange New Things? Yes, exactly. Which was about a missionary on a foreign planet. Because and that it, was super faith-oriented. And we didn't necessarily like how it turned out. But... But it was a person wrestling through things with some sort of like, I'm not the only person dealing with this. Yeah. You know, there, there is some sort of a higher power and we're trying to figure out what that is and how that relates. And yeah, I guess it was a topic I thought of partly just because if you start paying attention, there is there is a noticeable absence of involvement of, you know, a God figure in many stories. And again, like we said, you don't need it in every story. But there's been many a time when you finish a, an episode of TV or a movie and be like, Man, I'm certainly glad that we don't have to worry about that. Or I'm, I, if only people knew who is the source of salvation yeah, that exactly. could pull them through these situations. There's some food for thought for y'all, and that will be our story school. And now we will move on into soundtrack. So for my soundtrack today, I wound up looking for something from uh, a zombie game because I'll admit I don't play these kind of survival horror games. It's not my thing, but it often seems to me zombie apocalypse is kind of one area where they don't really delve into this much. I mean, I don't know. Did you ever watch any of The Walking Dead? I have not. I've been told by your sister that we should. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been told that too, and I always ignore her. Uh, it's like, yeah, it might have good writing, but I don't care. It's it's gross. And honestly, it just seems like it, people talk about zombie stuff as it being fun, but I, I see it just being full of despair. But anyway, I'm just going on based on the genre. I haven't played the game itself, uh, namely Resident Evil 2. Um, this is a remix from that done by ABG, and it's called Ada's Groove, or maybe that's Ada's Groove. I don't, I don't really know, but... Given that it's from a zombie game, it's not actually quite as spooky of a sound as you might expect. So I hope you enjoy. 
This month's podcast is sponsored by God Talk. Some streaming services promise to remove language and explicit material from movies. God Talk goes beyond merely removing simple content to inserting uplifting and godly meaning into any movie. With state-of-the-art machine learning, dialogue is adjusted to edify the viewer and keep you focused on things above. Listen to these samples from famous movies to see how it works. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. To your sins. Oh, no! this is going to be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making what? An aroma pleasing to the Lord. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And think to yourself. There's no place like the new heavens and new earth. There's no place like the new heavens and new earth. There's no place like the new heavens and new earth. God Talk, putting scripture in your cinema, the easy way. Available wherever apps are found. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, when... I'll be back. Okay, and we're back. Thank you, Nick, for getting those interesting sponsorships you keep pulling in. Somehow. Oh yeah, we're making, we're just making bank. I guess so. Well, uh, I am. Well, wait, what? Yeah, I haven't. Well, your trick's in the mail. Okay, good. Yeah, I've haven't really tried out any of these services yet, but they always seem interesting. Yes, I use every one of them. Okay, all right. Well then, I'll take your word for yes. it. But, uh, and how did you enjoy the soundtrack? It was very nice. I enjoyed it. Good old school sort of OC remix. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. A little groovy, a little electronic-y. But anyway, it is now time for our next segment, our take on Tales. So it is September again. It is time for our mostly annual, although we didn't get to do it last year. I can't imagine why. <laughs> summer movie review. And there's not tons of summer movies even this year. No, uh, no. We're still kind of in the recovery stage for uh, summer blockbusters. Uh, but there were a few. Um, and I actually saw a few of them. Yes. Well, uh, some superhero ones, which is where we always start. So finally, we had Black Widow. After years of waiting. Yes. This was very much a case of better late than never is what it felt like. Yeah. I, I wish this movie had come out in between Civil War and Avengers Infinity mm-hmm. War. Yeah. I mean, that's where it took place. But it would have felt a lot more meaty. Like, I mean, the fact that we already knew that she would survive the movie, that's always kind of puts a little bit of a damper on some yeah. of the excitement. But otherwise, I thought this movie was Okay. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was fun. I think two things I think that went well were I think the family aspect was was a good choice and a lot of fun. And I, I don't know. I guess it was an interesting choice to make the sort of um, tangential relation to sort of, you know, trafficking. Yeah, for me, I think tonally this movie felt a little bipolar to me. Like the beginning of it was super dark. Yes, I mean, it was. And granted, we knew that Black Widow had that kind of dark history. But I remember feeling a bit jarring to go from that to some of the jokiness that she had with her sister later on. And again, Natasha had always, not your wife, I mean, Natasha Romanoff, she had always had those kind of, that kind of interesting dichotomy, but it didn't always flow as well here. At least for me, it it felt off sometimes. It was was darker than I expected. Like, especially, I think some of the last action scenes seemed kind of just like, okay, we're doing this, I guess. Yeah. Like, they're kind of cool looking, but 
simultaneously why, I don't know, like the whole falling scenes and everything. Like it was cool, but they feel almost like just tacked on because you had to do it. Yeah. I kind of, someone pointed this out and I realized after the fact, yeah, it felt kind of like a missed opportunity that they didn't have a more like elaborate Mission Impossible style heist thing, or at least not one that we knew about. Like they acted as if like things were going horribly yeah. wrong, and they're, and they're like, "Aha, no, it's a con." Yeah. Well, it would have been a little bit more fun to realize that no, we we've got this con heist thing going yeah. on this whole time, because she is a spy. So like, it made sense that you'd have some sort of spy thing, but, but like not to let the audience in in on that was a little. Eh. It didn't feel super spy movie ish. No, it, no, it was. I guess uh, I don't know what kind of movie you'd classify it. I mean, it was it was. I mean, it felt kind of. It did feel kind of shieldy. I mean, yeah. Like, give you the fact that they had that there was a giant fortress in the sky was is, cool. Was cool. I mean, definitely. I mean, it's not outside of the realm of this universe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, we had the helicarriers for crying out loud, but yeah, I don't know. It it didn't quite gel as well as you would have hoped having after all this time of waiting for yeah. a Black Widow movie. I thought it was enjoyable. But it was darker than I thought, and I think it worked for what it was. Yeah, not great, but like I said, better late than never. Yeah. Um, and then most recently, and uh, this is the first time I think I've been, I would have counted a, a Labor Day movie as a as a summer movie, but this year it counts. Shang Chi, which I really enjoy. Shang Chi and the Ten Rings, or Legend, Ma- of, the Ten- Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. that's what it is. Yes, I, I enjoyed this a lot too. I don't think we've talked about this. One no, yet. we have not. So yeah, it was. This is a, a character I knew nothing about. Nope. Nothing. And, and uh, I, I really enjoyed what they did with him. The scenes were great. The action was wonderful. Like Zach had seen it first, my brother. And I'm like, okay, were the fight scenes like good or were they like weird steady cam? You couldn't tell what was going on. He's like, no, they were like legitimate good kung fu sort of yeah. f- scenes. When we got down, I was like, I almost would have rather it had been all just kung fu stuff. The scene on the bus, the fight on the bus, in my opinion, was like the best sequence in the movie. I completely, I completely agree. And I wish, like the scene in the building was good too. Yeah. But yeah. the bus was hands down the best action scene. And it was a little disappointed that the end battle scene was all CG. Yeah. Like, no, just give me like a cool crouching tiger, hidden dragon mm-hmm. fight between him and whoever. Like, I feel, and I don't know why they did it, but like, the final scene doesn't always have to be bigger and better. Sometimes more intimate is better. Is better. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I like a lot of what they did with the rings. I thought the, yes. the ring fighting was was pretty cool. And I'll give them credit. The some of the CGI creatures, like the their blending of like realism and like Chinese art. Yeah. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing. That's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's like, uh, but it's, it doesn't feel quite as yeah, the focus is different than when yeah. it's just the kung fu fighters. And, and it, like, it wasn't a bad final battle. No, it was, but it just felt, I guess, more normal, more just like <laughs> what you expect, as opposed to like that bus scene was like, hey, we're going full fledged like martial arts movie. Yeah, which well, I, mean, I guess Marvel. I saw Nathan mention on Twitter that like that was some of Jackie Chan's stunt crew that helped choreograph oh, really? that. Yeah, which I didn't. I I don't have anything back to that. I was just going off what Nathan said. But I do think but I like, believe it. Yes. Marvel does it best, I think, right now when they take their whatever their formula is and they put it in a new container. Mm-hmm. And the whole Chinese culture, martial arts thing was a blast for this movie. It really was. But I just wish it would have been there all the way to the end. Yeah. And like pull back the, the Marvel CG stuff. I mean, I'm a little torn about it because like on one hand, it's cool to have some of the fantasy element. I mean, I really dug the like the moving force and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could have even done the final fight 
a little bit more feeling like so the sequence with like the flashback between his father and his mother, how they yeah. first met, that was super Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, I wanted something school. like that. Yeah, because that's just the two of them, and it's very flowing and and organic, and yeah, something like that could have been cool. I mean, again, still using the rings, doing cool yes. special effects stuff. You don't necessarily need a whole dragon, and uh, which I don't mind that you know if you want to have CG, CGI bats or whatever yeah. those things are. I mean, if you want the dragon versus the bats, and then simultaneously. Shang-Chi and father, or Shang-Chi is reconciled with father. They're both against some other thing thing that they can actually fight hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. Again, it wasn't bad by any means, but I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, a and it's all, I mean, honestly, the rest of the movie was quite enjoyable. Sure. Um, I mean, and I guess the other thing was... And that was too, but... The, the whole reason to have all that brings in... There's a lot of extra plot baggage to like explain all that. It's like there's a lot of sequences of exposition, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with sometimes. But ever toward the end, it's like okay, we're, we're still going into explaining this whole world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so definitely enjoyed a lot of it. Some things I would like. Some things I'd love to see them do a little bit differently next time. If would if we get another Shang Chi movie, yeah. which I hope we do. I yeah. I look forward to seeing them with another Avengers movies because both him and his uh, girl sidekick, love interest, whatever she is, well, Katie was hilarious. Katie is great. Their karaoke parties were always <laughs> funny with uh, with Wong. With Wong, yes. yes. Okay, speaking of Wong, who was he fighting in that cage fight earlier on? Was that the guy from the Incredible Hulk movie, Abomination? Or I whatever? think that's what I heard someone. I don't know that. That's why I saw secondhand. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, they put some deep pulls from MCU stuff into this between him and uh, the ex Mandalorian. Yes. Well, not Mandalorian, <laughs> Mandarin. Oh, Trevor. Trevor. The actor. The actor. <laughs> I very much enjoyed him in this movie. Yes, that was fun. I I had noticed... They were, they were apes acting like they were riding on horses. <laughs> did you ever see the one shot that they did with Trevor? I've heard of it, but I've never actually watched it. They actually put it on Disney Plus like a few weeks ago. Okay. And I saw that and I was like, hmm. <laughs> I know this thing is the Ten Rings. Hmm. So that was that was fun to see him show up. Nice. So yeah, I think I think that was a good good start to be. That's really kind of, in some ways an official start to this whole new. I mean, technically, Far From Home was. But. Yeah, but like this was the first new hero for Phase Four, and I think I think it was a strong start. And I think the little credit scenes are like, ooh, something's going on. Indeed, indeed. MCU movies got a lot of flack for like acting as if they're always just setting up a next movie, but I think that's an unfair criticism because I think. Yeah, it's about seeing what's coming up next and those teases and the, the fans like that. And if you don't, I'm sorry. But the movies aren't just that. They're they're always trying to tell their own unique story, yeah. I feel. And we'll just have to see now if Eternals is good or not. Yes. The second trailer has me much more intrigued than the first one did. Yes. So we'll see where that goes. And, of course, Spider-Man, that's, that's a whole other can of worms. Yes. <laughs> see our last episode. I mean, about multiverses. Oh, yeah, multiverses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, did you see any other movies at the theater next? Uh, see, I did not. My family went to go see Jungle Cruise, uh-huh. but I stayed home with the youngest because she wasn't quite ready to watch Jungle Cruise. Uh, I see. But you saw it. I did see Jungle Cruise. Now, well, I, I saw, do you want, you want me to jump to that? Or do you yes, wanna... I do want to say real quick, I will just give me the, the secondhand information I have, which was it was enjoyable, but we assumed going in it was going to be like Pirates of the Caribbean-ish. And it is. And, and it is, but not quite as good. 
Yeah. So I wound up seeing Free Guy and Jungle Cruise at the drive-in theater, which was super fun. It's the first time I was trying to remember when was the last time I'd gone to our local drive-in because used to drive by it all the time. But I was always it was always one of those things like one, since it's a double feature, you want to really want to see both of them that way. And two, you have to be out really late. Yes. Yes. Because you won't. You know, last second movie probably won't end till like one a.m. or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know if I had been back to this since like two thousand five was the last time I could remember with like Batman Begins and War of the Worlds. Wow. Which is a great, great combo. Yeah. Great combo. But anyway, but yeah, I would say between Free Guy and Jungle Cruise, I liked Free Guy a little bit more. It was fresher. No, it got compared in reviews to number of other movies like Ready Player One and other video game-ish movies, but the story I thought was pretty fresh. Ryan Reynolds was fun. It is This is a family-friendly Ryan Reynolds. My, <laughs> my sister was concerned about that. I was like, no, he's safe here. He's not Deadpool. It was a good touchstone for modern gamer culture Okay, with streamers and all that stuff. They yeah. had, I guess there are a lot of the streamers they showed were actual YouTuber and oh, really? video game streamers. So obviously they brought some authenticity to it. But also... um. Joe Keery from Stranger Things. Oh yeah, the guy who plays um, the guy who plays Steve uh, was is a programmer. Nice. And so yeah, just good cast and a lot of fun. Jungle Cruise really was like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie with The Rock. Okay. AKA Dwayne Johnson, yeah. whichever you, you want to call him. And it was not bad for that. But if you again talking about like overdone CG, yeah, yeah, the, and maybe this was because it was at a drive-in theater. But I remember some of the like the fight scenes with these like weird, I'm not even sure, undead oh, cursed yeah. mercen- mm-hmm. like marauder or not what is it, Spanish. Conquistadors. Conquistadors, thank you. There were times I was like, I'm not sure what I'm looking at here. Like, yeah. like is, is it just gross or if it's just like, it's just a mess of like weird limbs and vines and like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. And the other thing I remember being a little disappointed about Jungle Cruise, I was looking forward to some of the, I was joined the marketing, had fun chemistry between him and Emily Blunt. Yeah. And I didn't think it actually worked as well in the actual movie. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. But I could be, people's mileage may vary there. But that was those two. And I'll, there was one other movie I saw at the theater earlier this summer, back in June. But I'll let, since I've been talking for a little bit, why don't you talk about Luca? So, yeah. So Luca should have been in the theater, but wasn't. I don't know reason. why. I mean, it was a good Pixar movie. So Luca, I really liked. Like, of it the, was on Disney Plus. But Disney Plus. For some reason, it wasn't in the theater. But um, we'll, we'll talk about it anyway, because it should have been. It should have been. And it was it was awesome. So Luca, of the three movies that's come out recently from Pixar, Soul, what's the one with the brothers in the fantasy setting? Oh, uh, Onward, 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 and Luca. I think Luca's my favorite. Oh, really? Okay. And I think for this reason, it is very much the story of just this mermaid boy making friends, growing up, sort of coming age sort of thing. And there's just so much attention to the little things that make being a young boy happy. It remind me in aspects of it of, of Studio Ghibli. You know? uh, yeah, it's Studio Ghibli. Yeah, I, I've heard it's kind of Pixar's Miyazaki moments. And because it's not a big story, it's just it's just a lot of fun, and it looks beautiful. It's and like it's, their, it's like their Ponyo. Yeah, it is. It very much is. And I mean, we watched it. I loved it. Three days later, we were on vacation with my family. I'm like, guys, y'all have to watch this. Everyone watched it. I think everyone loved it. It just really works. For some reason, I don't even know why, even when it happened a second time, like it started tearing up. It's not even that sad. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's and, just... And you don't tear up very often. No, it's just just wholesome and good in a way that you don't get a lot of in modern movies. Like, not that modern movies are necessarily bad, but just it had that simplicity and that is just sort of heart that 
Pixar always has, but just worked very well. I mean, like if you want a big giant story or whatever, you're gonna go see Incredibles or mm-hmm. something, or you want something that's gonna you know rock your blow your brain. I'm gonna go see Inside Out or something like that. But it knew what it wanted to be. It did it super well. It was a lot of fun. If you've not seen it yet, go go watch it. Cool. I actually have. It's weird to think that I actually have a backlog of Pixar movies I've been meaning to watch. Which um, other one have you not watched? Well, uh, Monsters University. Okay. The Good Dinosaur. Good Dinosaurs. Yeah, it's interesting, but and Coco. I, if you've not seen Coco, no Coco. First, go watch Luca, then Coco. <laughs> okay. Monsters University is fun. I, I probably want to probably want to see Monsters University because they just did a series. That's true. I've not seen any a of the sequel series. series, Monsters at Work. So it's like, oh, I want to watch that, but I feel like it should catch up and watch Monsters U first. Monsters U is is fun, but Coco Coco is top notch Pixar. Yeah. Okay, stuff I need to catch up on. The other movie I saw at the theaters back in June was F Nine, the Fast Saga. So Fast and the Furious Nine. Which I haven't seen, and I kind of wish I had now. Since, like, about the third one. And uh, I, I mean, sometimes I'm like, man, this should be fun for pop. So is this still just fun popcorn? Is that oh, yeah. Stuff? Th- this is this is Fast and Furious. This is actually the first of the Fast and Furious movies that I've seen at the theater. Okay. Because uh, over the last couple of years, my dad and I have been going through watching them on, on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really spaced them out because Fast and the Furious movies take a certain level of non-brain power <laughs> no yep i can under yeah so like you you have to like be in the mood for them because they're they're so dumb and early on they're a little bit rougher because they're much more gritty in some ways okay so yet, they, they get a little more just like they get a fun. little fun yeah instead of like being like in the hood and be, them being like robber bear they're actually like wind up working for the government and and doing more like uh, a little bit more heisty but with cars okay Italian job espionage sort of, sort of stuff. Yeah, Italian job sort of stuff. I think they said that they have one more storyline that they want to do that they're going to have to split over two movies. And it's everyone's like, okay, what else can they do at this point? Because, well, and the downside of this particular one, F9, I think, is that some of it is so ridiculous. It's for the first time it's like, okay, I don't think they did, like, I know some of this they did not do with an actual car. Okay. Most of the time, like, it's like, okay, they did weird things I th- but you know if you watch behind the scenes stuff they did use actual cars yeah and this one they sent a car into outer space <laughs> like okay like, you're really like NATO level at that point <laughs> so I, i'm i'm fully expecting at this point that the next the finale one of the finale movies will feature like a drag race on the moon nice. or something or did maybe elon or, musk send a car to the space no no okay. but they i mean they they made it as plausible as you could theoretically make it, but it's still yeah. not very. It's either that or they're going to have like some sort of Mario Kart 8 loop-de-loop or, or like Speed Racer where they Speed have racer. cars running on over upside-down loops on a giant track. <laughs> Time-traveling car. Oh, wait, that's just Back to the Future. <laughs> so, but it's, I mean, the reason these movies are very watchable, especially as you get into like the second half of them, is that they do have a lot of hearts. Like, okay. th- there's a lot of recurring characters. You see there is this like ongoing story because in the first like two or three it's like you're not quite the franchises are quite sure, but then after like the fourth one and going to the fifth, they really solidified like no, this these are the core group that we want to okay. and characters that you don't think are going to ever come back wind up showing up again, and so there's a very interesting continuity for a movie that's about 
Vin Diesel looks like you know like <laughs> I'm Groot. <laughs> I'm Groot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know these these real like manly guys and how, what what how, how do I say you know scantily clad chicks. Yeah. But actually, there's all this talk about having a family and ribbing each other as they go through these ridiculous hijinks. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting franchise. So it was nine. How would you rate nine along? Like upper level of the movies, middle, lower level of the movies. I'd say middle of the road. I, we still like, there are definitely times Dad and I would exchange looks like really. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say higher than the earlier ones. A lot of people will say F seven is one of their favorites. I like F eight a lot too because the stakes there I thought were pretty cool. Um, so I'd say this was a step below those two. Okay. So, cool. so there you go. <laughs> the one I have not seen, I still haven't actually seen the spinoff. There's a spinoff with uh, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Stratham okay. that I haven't seen that one yet. I well, guess. come on, Tim. <laughs> like I said, you can only handle so so much of that amount of ridiculousness. Do we need a story school just called The Fast and Furious? We talk about fast cars and stories. No, I, I, think, I think I just about exhausted all my talking points. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, so oh. that's our that's our summer movie list. That's our summer movie list, and I think this episode will be a little bit shorter than we've had recently. But hey, that's okay. It's fine with me. I'm I'm going to be getting into rehearsals uh, for a new play later this month. Exciting! So you might hear some more about that down the road. But I think with that, we should wrap this up. Thank you for listening to Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Uh, of course, you can listen to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And you can uh, visit us at derailedtrains.blogspot.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Leave us a comment at any of those places. Let us know what we're doing right or what we're doing wrong. Email us at uh, derailedtrains at gmail.com. You can also leave us a review at any of your podcatchers. Uh, we'd appreciate that. In fact, actually, I think uh, Greg left us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts not too long ago. Oh, nice. Ago. Very good. So thank you, Tofu Fury. Or should I be <laughs> Tofu Fury? <laughs> All right. Wrong, wrong podcast. Yes. Um, if you want to hear us on another podcast, we recently uh, were on the Monster Island Film Vault. Yes. So we're talking about 48. I think so. Yes. Yeah. So talking about one of the Gamera movies. Yes. Gamera Guardian of the Universe. Yes. There you go. Or just Tokyo. But there you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he did like body slam a monster from it the is. atmosphere. So I guess R that qualifies as the universe. <laughs> But there was no cars in space at the time. No, no, that's true. All right. Uh, for my soundtrack, before we, uh, I don't know, we'll leave here or go try to get a bike somewhere. Yeah, we should we should maybe bike out of here. Uh, hopefully. It's uh, almost, it's a little later. It's almost like Halloween, I think. Here, yeah, right? yeah. Well, hopefully I, it's I safe. I like the cool weather and yeah. Hopefully it's safe. No, I'm, no. I'm sure nothing can go wrong on Halloween. Probably not. So I didn't actually pick a song without God. I picked God of War. This is the PlayStation 4 version. The 2019 God of War. Which yes. I don't know why. Why do you make your fourth game in the series have the same name as the first game? Again, I didn't really listen to the rules, but this song came up partly because we were talking about stories about God, and I'm like, oh, God of War. But also because this uh, the soundtrack originally was written by Bear McCreary, who does a lot of soundtracks for TV shows and some movies. Uh, he did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was in my brain when we were coming up with this topic. And I feel like this song has elements of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the feeling of it. So, I don't know. It made sense to me. It's called War Never Changes, and it's remixed by Auxerre. And it's kind of um, electronic-y, dubstep-y, and I think enjoyable. Okay. Well, it's getting a little chilly here. I feel that fall wind coming. Yep. So we better hop on our bikes and get out of here. Yep. Uh, stay right, right side up as we're biking. Yes, let's not go upside down. Exactly. 
So until next time, folks, uh, this has been Tim. This is Nick. Bye-bye.